Hello there, my name is Justine and I am the host of the For the Love of Yourself podcast. I am a certified holistic health coach and I am passionate about helping you become the best version of yourself by becoming confident in your body through food freedom, intuitive eating, and manifestation. This podcast was made to help you change your mindset around traditional diets as well as traditional ways of living. I hope you find exactly what you needed to hear today in order to help change your life. Now, let's get on to today's episode. Hi, hello. Welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode, I'm going to be answering some questions from Facebook. So... If you don't have me as a friend on Facebook or if you're not in my Facebook group, then definitely go to the show notes and add me. So if there is another like Q&A like this or if you want to be in the next one, because I'm only going to answer some of them today, then I'll answer your question in the next episode. But basically, I, like a month ago, was kind of running about running out of podcast ideas and what to share with you guys and what you guys wanted to hear. So I decided to go on Facebook and ask you what you wanted to know. So I actually got some questions that were really good. And this is my first time being like, ask me anything, but I kind of gave it a direction. Like, what would you like to know about health and dieting and weight loss and all those things? Um, and I actually got quite a lot of questions. So I don't know how many I'm going to get through today. But this will definitely be at least two episodes. So let's get in to the episode. This one I'm not going to be having notes. The next one I'll save for more like scientific reasons that I have my stance on what I'm talking about. But I'm just going to be a lot of these are like, what are your thoughts? What are your opinions? Blah, blah, blah. So let's get into it. The first question is can you explain the potential harm and benefits of fasting? To me, it seems like there's a thin line between fasting and disordered eating, but I know many people who swear by it. So this is a great question and something that I actually had a conversation with Roman or recently. And I think that is very, very personal to the person. And typically when it comes to any diet, I believe that there is a percentage of people, a pretty small percentage of people who benefit from eating that way. Now, if you have a disordered relationship with food, or if you have a history of disordered eating, that's where I think that it super depends on you and where you are with your relationship with food and your demeanor and motivation behind changing the way that you eat. So in particular with fasting, there are a lot, there's a lot of science and a lot of studies behind fasting. Things like, um, there's claims like it regenerates cell growth and cell turnover. So, um, it like detoxifies your body kind of, it makes your body work better. Um, it gets rid of all the crap. Um, and that it's good for fat burning, it's good for your metabolism. Um, humans aren't meant to aren't designed to eat that much during the day, whatever. So science beside. Pushing that, you know, just pushing that away, maybe pretending like we don't even know about that. Pretend you knew nothing about fasting. Why is fasting beneficial to you or why would it be beneficial to you? Now, in 
in regards to me and Roman, he was asking me, you know, what, like, what do you think about me doing intermittent fasting? I already don't like eating breakfast, blah, blah, blah. So my question to him, cause I agree, like there's a lot of people who don't like breakfast. They don't like eating until like lunchtime. So wouldn't it be easy to intermittent fast? Well, I don't necessarily think it's good for everyone. And a really, really important question, is it a necessary rule for me to incorporate into my diet? So some things I asked him is like, well, if I wanted to go to brunch or breakfast at like a nice vegan restaurant, would you not go with me then and eat? Would I have to go alone or would I have to take someone else? Would you have that desire to eat? And he was like, oh yeah, well, I probably would want to go eat then. And then I'm like, okay, so then you would have to adjust your eating window so that you wouldn't eat past like 7 p.m. or 6 p.m. or something. And like, then what if you want a dessert one day? And then so my main issue with intermittent fasting especially if you have a past history of restriction, is it creates this heightened desire to eat foods that are off your list. So things like automatically breakfast would be off your list and or dessert would be off your list unless you were like shoving in all of the calories in your eating window, which I also don't think is healthy. I don't think you should shove in calories just for the sake of having an eating window. So again, I think it's dependent on the person, but I know for myself and many other people, if you're like, okay, I'm not eating past 7 p.m. anymore, which is a typical eating window for intermittent fasting, what happens is you go on Instagram and see a cake decorating video or see a dessert video like a brownie recipe or a cookie recipe or you remember you have that ice cream in the back of your fridge or you remember those oreos in the back of the cabinet or whatever it is or um your boyfriend isn't intermittent fasting so you aren't eating the cookies that he made but they smell really good things like this just because you said no i'm not going to eat past a certain time automatically every like temptation that there is out there looks 10 times, if not more, more intriguing and satisfying than it would if you didn't have that rule. And then this creates that restricted mindset and also increases heightened cravings. And then it also can result in binge eating and like diet cycling and weight cycling. So having this rule to me, feels unnecessary. But I do think if you have a super healthy relationship with food and it is something that you are very interested in doing because of X, Y, and Z, and you see it as a beneficial rule to have, then like go for it. But personally and with almost every human I've met in real life, I don't think it's a necessary rule. I think it's kind of useless. I think it's dumb. And I think it creates those times of temptation that wouldn't have otherwise been there. So that is my viewpoint on intermittent fasting. And also people like intermittent fasting and diets in general because it automatically reduces your calorie intake in an in what seems like an easy way and then you lose weight from it. So this is essentially just another way to lose weight and to eat less calories. If you have less time that you can eat, you automatically get hungry less often during that window. So you don't eat as much food throughout the day and then you're going to shed weight. But I do not think that is sustainable necessarily. So that is my viewpoint on that. All right, next question. 
Can you explain how to transition your diet and nutritional concerns? For example, gradual versus all in. Be into vegetarian or vegan or anything in between. Thanks. You're welcome. (laughs) So, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but again, I think this is very dependent on the person and how you are in general with food and also how your current and past relationship with food is and also your motivation. So in the term of becoming vegetarian or vegan, do I think you should do it automatically or do I think you should wait it out a little bit and like do it gradually? So I'll use two real life examples for you. Um, So me, I went vegan cold turkey six years ago, almost six and a half years ago. And this was also during the time that I had a disordered relationship with food and I had an exercise addiction, but I, even now that I have a healed relationship with food and exercise, I am still vegan. So that hasn't changed for me. Um, and then on the other hand, my boyfriend, Roman, he went vegan gradually over time. Maybe if he ever wants to get on this freaking podcast and share his story with you guys, that would be really cool because he has a very interesting story. Um, and our stories are very different for going vegan. So I would say one, why do you desire to be vegan or vegetarian? Now, if I was working with a client, I wouldn't allow them or I wouldn't advise them to cut out a food group so drastically unless they were at a healthy spot with food. So always like, what is your motivation for it? Why do you want to do it? And make sure it's coming from a healthy place. And then, especially with going vegan, because you cut out so much, what is your motivation behind wanting to be vegan? So I know for Roman, it started with health reasons and kind of like being disgusted at like the meat industry and how everything's packaged and thrown together and things like that. Um, but then it eventually became like, he felt really good as well as he started having like this emotional attachment to the animals and felt really bad about killing them. So there he has multiple reasons for wanting to not eat animal products. And that's really good motivation because it has nothing to do with diet or weight loss or not liking your body or anything like that. Same for me. So when I went vegan, I did a lot, a lot of research and, um, I learned first, like how human anatomy works and our digestive system and everything about the human body and how it would make more sense for us to eat more plants than to eat meat. Um, and then that sparked my interest to look even deeper and I learned about the environment and how much of an environmental impact it is to eat animal products versus how much you can help like restore the planet when you don't eat them in your diet. And that was my main mot- motivator, but it wasn't enough for me to continue going. So I had to also learn about the health benefits and I also had to have that emotional connection to the animals in order to stick through it or else I would have just went like vegetarian or something because it's easier and I didn't want to feel super restricted. Have those motivations behind you. It's really, really important. And then I think you can really gauge from here what is best for you. So does it feel better and less restrictive to gradually cut things out or to have a meatless Monday or to do whatever and take a couple months or even a year to go from meat eater to vegetarian or meat eater to vegan? Or does it feel better to just 
cut it all out and do the thing. Um, if I was working with a client, I would advise them to go gradual, but if they, you know, felt really good and had the desire to go a little bit quicker, I would let them, but just kind of, you know, gauge the waters and make sure that everything's going okay internally, emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, all those things to make sure that they're in tip-top shape when it comes to the relationship with food. So do what feels right to you. Make sure you have the right motivation and you can do it. I believe in you. I think this is going to be the last question that I answer today because my answers take a little bit of time. She said, okay, so this came up for me last night. I went to bed and read for about an hour, couldn't sleep. It got to about 1 a.m. and I was so hungry. I literally started thinking about everything I'd eaten in the day to see if my hunger was validated. Dot, dot, dot. In the moment, would you just try and get to sleep because it's late or just listen to the body and eat? Side note, I had a snack, lol. Okay, first, I love that you had a snack. That is what I would advise. Typically, when you have like a late night craving or something, cravings and and specifically, she's talking about hunger. She's not even talking about cravings, um, but I guess I'll address a cra- craving first. When you have a craving for something, it's either um, influenced by the senses, so like sight, smell, um, maybe touch, but mainly sight and smell. Um, so if you like walk by a pizza shop or you walk by a donut shop and you smell it or you see the freshly glazed donuts being made, that can heighten a or that can like influence you to have a craving for it. And typically when you have a really intense craving for something, that means that your body is hungry and it wants more food. It wants more energy. It wants more calories. So if you're like up in the middle of the night and reading and they're talking about food or you're reading like a recipe book for some reason, that'd be weird. Or if you're like scrolling through Instagram and you see a bunch of food and you get really like triggered but not triggered you know like you start getting this craving then that could be a sign that you didn't eat enough during the day so a really good way to know this um is to food journal throughout the day I have an episode on food journaling highly recommend looking at that I always tell my clients or have them food journal and you'll be able to see how often you get hungry what you eat why you choose to eat how hungry you are when you eat and how full and satisfied you feel Those are all super, super important things to know because if you don't ever feel satisfied throughout the day, but you still ate enough food, you might still be missing that satisfaction factor that we often desire to have from food and we're used to having from food. And so your body's still looking through it because you're still up late at night. Um, So food journal for sure, that's the best way to gauge because I can't tell you what's going on inside your body. Only you know that. And then the other point I wanted to make is also knowing if you ate enough food. So food journaling is also really good for that, not food tracking. Um, But if you're noticing you skipped a meal or you went a long time without eating and then you were ravenously hungry at some point, that could be a good indicator that you didn't eat enough throughout the day. Or if you, you know, have had a really, really long period, if your dinner was at 6.30 and then you're up at 1 a.m. and you're hungry, you've been awake for a really long time. And even though you're just laying in bed and you're not really doing anything, your body still burns calories to function 
It has a metabolism. You're digesting food. Your blood is pumping. Your muscles are repairing from your workouts. Your hair is growing. All of these things, these mechanisms are happening. You're breathing. Like just you being alive burns calories. So when you're alive, aka like breathing and you're awake, your body knows that it can get access to calories and it needs those when you sleep. You have to have food in your body in order to sleep well that night. So my answer to the last part of your question is should you give in to the craving? Not the craving. Should you give in to the hunger? I would say yes, unless you're like in that state where you're like falling asleep, but then you're like still awake and falling asleep, you know, your eyes are going in and out. I would say that you don't necessarily need to like get out of comfy sleepy mode in order to go eat. You could probably just fall asleep, but if it is so uncomfortable that you like can't get a good night's rest, then go and eat something. That rule that you shouldn't eat after a certain amount of time, super dumb, super not true. It's not going to make you fat. And if it did, who cares? That also goes to show from the other points, especially the intermittent fasting question that I answered, you need to always make sure your body's getting fueled. And if you're intermittent fasting and you experience this, you're up late at night, you're really hungry, but you're like, oh, it's past my eating window. I can't, can't eat anything. This is going to keep happening. And your body wants those calories because it's always working to make you a functioning human. This question says, I'd be curious to know about intuitive eating and pregnancy slash neonatal. I'm actually not sure what neonatal is. Um, I'm not pregnant myself. I was just curious about maintaining health pre and post as I enter my 30s. So let me look up what neonatal is first. I think that just means pregnancy. I've never heard that term before. So weird. Okay. So in the intuitive eating book, I believe there may be a part in there about pregnancy. I know there's a part in there about children and babies and having them be intuitive eaters, but I want to share a story of a friend that I made online. I gave a like masterclass on one of her courses and this was brought up because she was pregnant at the time. She just had her baby, which is so cute. Um, and I always bring up this example of how our bodies are so smart and they're so much smarter than us and we should just listen to them and stop resisting against what they want. And an example of this is when you are pregnant and you know pregnant women have these crazy wacky cravings of like all these weird food combinations or just like super intense cravings or aversions to food and it's so intense that we can't control them. And I haven't looked into the science to this and that's kind of why I don't want to answer this, but I'm still going to give you my opinion because I think it's an interesting insight is I know and I believe through science and through just watching humans that and studying humans that babies, infants, and children, they are natural intuitive eaters. Like babies are born intuitive eaters because they can't communicate to us what they're craving, what they want to eat, if they're hungry, if they're full. They can't use their words and we can't really dictate to them what they should and shouldn't and can and can't eat. We just try to feed them so they can grow and become full-grown humans, right? They are very natural intuitive eaters because 
they only have their body to listen to. They don't have the noise of diet culture and diet language and their parents' um, opinions on foods and all of these things influencing when and how much they eat. So my perspective on this is when you are pregnant, you have this new super intuitive life inside of you, which is crazy to think about. I love thinking about it. I want to be mom one day. But you have this new life inside of you that has no influence of the outside world. All it knows is that it needs to be fed. It needs to get nutrients. It needs to grow. Probably doesn't know much. But it's like so intuitive that it doesn't even like it can't really see. It can't do all these things. But yet this new life is growing inside of you. And then your body gets these crazy aversions to foods and cravings to foods. And I personally believe that that is your baby's way of saying what it needs and what it doesn't need in order to grow its fullest. And so when you listen to your body, and you kind of have to, it's that intuitive new soul inside of you, that new body dictating what it needs because it's such a strong force because that's all it really is you know what I mean kind of so that's kind of my take on it and so my friend I had brought this up during her master class and she had told me that that had been happening to her and she was actually eating really healthy during pregnancy um she was craving super healthy foods and she just felt like super energized super vibrant and stuff and she was like I just this is great that you bring this up because I've been kind of contemplating if I'm doing the right thing when it comes to nutrition, but like, I feel really good. And then I'm like, yeah. And she's like, yeah. And I feel like I'm feeding the baby very well and I'm feeling great and stuff. And now she has a happy, beautiful newborn baby. And I really truly believe that her body knows what to do. And if you think about the years and years and years and years and years of pregnancies. I mean, that's how we're all here. Somebody and somebody, somebody got pregnant and somebody before them got pregnant, somebody before them got pregnant. And there's so many pregnancies down the line. And like, you wouldn't be here if you didn't have those women generations and generations and generations before you having a pregnancy and naturally listening to their bodies on what to eat. Because dieting and diet culture and nutrition science, very new especially nutrition, nutrition science. And there's not a lot of science done on pregnant women because pregnant women don't really want to get tested on. Um, so if they were able to navigate their bodies and their hunger and their fullness and their nutrition without any nutrition science and without any diet rules and any diet guidelines and all of these things, then I believe that you can do that too. I believe that you have the power and the wisdom inside of your body to navigate through that. And I also think that it will be much easier to do that before conceiving. So if you want to be pregnant one day, I want to be pregnant one day. And that's actually a huge motivator for why I decided to go down this route of food freedom and not eating and practicing intuitive eating is because I didn't want to stress about that kind of crap when I was pregnant. I didn't want to be unhealthy and weight cycling and stressing about if I needed to go to the gym or how much weight I gained during pregnancy. I didn't want to worry about any of that crap before I even thought about conceiving, which I'm not conceiving anytime soon. 
Um, so if you want to heal your relationship with food and you're interested in this way of eating, then I would recommend tackling that now, like tackle that sooner rather than later. And also I really hope through doing my work and other people doing similar work as me is we demolish this diet culture and this way of thinking that our bodies are broken so we don't pass it down to the younger generation so like my daughter my daughters and my nieces and my granddaughters and their granddaughters and everyone below me and my family tree so they don't have to stress about their bodies so they don't have to have a disordered relationship with food so they can eat what their bodies naturally want to eat and be healthy and be thriving and so I would love, you know, for everyone and the age group that I mainly work with is moms or want to like soon to be moms or, you know, in the future they want to be moms. And so they can have a healthy relationship with food and set a good example and not worry about their children's food intake and raise a bunch of intuitive eaters who have healthy body image. That would be amazing. So hop on that. If you've been thinking about it, girl, I would love to help you if you would like to work with me. Taking on one-on-one clients three months at a time is the sweet spot with my clients. Bi-weekly coaching calls with me plus learning modules. Lots of homework to help you deep dive into what is causing these food issues so you can live your best life with food freedom. All right. And then the last question I'm going to answer today. Okay. What do you do when you've hit a plateau in your weight loss and you're a woman of a particular age? I'm over 50. I did well losing 33 pounds on keto, but put on 10 pounds in the last year. I'm upset about that and I'm working on losing that weight again. I'm also dealing with postmenopause and looking at natural home, at balancing hormones naturally with absolutely no help from doctors. They will keep telling me everything is normal, but I know my body better than they do. Okay, first, love that you know you know your body better than they do because I agree, but I also agree, and I want to point out, I think you know your body better than the dude that created keto. I think that the keto is unnecessary, um, especially if you're doing it in order to specifically lose weight and you're being, you're being, um distraught by the fact that you can't lose all the weight I think that's something really really important to focus on and um there's some comments under this comment so I'm just going to read them real fast um same exact scenario but only lost 15 pounds on keto and gained it all back very common and then um the original commenter's response to that was I feel your pain the first time I attempted keto I lost four pounds then gained it back and then no weight loss I stopped it at that time. I learned that I had stumbled upon dirty keto and it wasn't working for me. Then I got Dr. Josh Axe's book on keto with five different plans. It worked for me and it was much healthier. Okay, again, I'm going to sound like a broken record. I admire that you know your body well to notice that your hormones aren't balanced and you're not feeling your greatest and you're trying to fix that. But I also believe your body knows best and even if... You do lose weight on a set of meal plan, like a meal plan or a diet plan or a diet um, regimen. 
that it isn't necessary for your health and well-being and it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to get you to where you want to be and also fixating on the number isn't a good thing so let's just focus on what to do when you plateau in your weight loss so weight loss is a funny thing first of all as women our weight and our bodies and our hormones they change so much throughout our lifetime and I'm going to answer this question again and go over it with more research that I've done in the next episode so if you want to have a more sciencey episode come back to that but when you actively seek weight loss how you do that is you reduce your calorie intake whether that's through exercise or food restriction keto just like any other diet plan or lifestyle, because some people think it's a lifestyle, um, it is just a way to naturally eat less calories, especially if you're following a specific guideline of like what to eat every day, what meals to eat. And so when you're restricting yourself of calories or a certain macronutrient, like in this case, you're stripping yourself of carbs, what happens is your body will start replenishing itself in any way, shape, or form it can. So in particular, when you go on keto and you don't need to be on keto for a specific reason, you're stripping your body of carbs and your brain's number one energy source is carbs. Now I know everyone learns about ketosis and all this stuff, whatever. I'm just telling you that for both of these women and for in particular, they went on keto, went off, gained the weight back. Why did that happen? Well, one, I guarantee they didn't stay in ketosis when they went off of it. So you have to plan to be on it forever, which I don't think is enjoyable because I love bread. I love pancakes. I love fruit. Hello. So if you like those things and want to eat them eventually, then you can't be on keto. So when you get off of keto, Everyone says this. You gain the weight back. Okay, you gain the weight back because you eat all the foods that you restricted yourself from. So your brain is like, oh my gosh, we can get back our natural number one source of energy that's carbohydrates. So your brain wants to eat all the carbs and then you overeat, you overindulge because you restricted yourself so much and then your body does that to feel safe. And then you gain the weight back. And you also lost the weight because it was kind of a facade. So when you like strip your body of carbohydrates, your body will start pulling energy from other places in the body that already has like the carbohydrate components stored to fuel your brain. So it puts it all back out there and it comes in the result of weight gain. So my first step would be Stop doing the fad diets. Do not go on the diet plans. Don't go on the keto. Unless you have a medical reason to do it. So also when you are in famine mode or restriction mode, your body will have irregular hormone regulation. So automatically it super spikes your cortisol. It also messes up your hunger hormones and um, again, I'm going to research more of this, but I'm sure it messes up other hormones as well. So by you 
diet cycling, yo-yo dieting, as well as weight cycling, which messes up your hormones, you are not addressing the root cause of the problem. You're most likely making it worse. So my answer, like always, especially if you come from a history of restriction when it comes to food, is to practice intuitive eating. I know. Um, It seriously, it works. I swear it works. I have a client who has thyroid issues. She has seen amazing results because, one, she puts in the work. She's very committed. But two, she trusts me and trusts the process and is just giving it a chance. And we've literally had, what, three calls and she has flipped a 180. And out of all the clients who would have hormone problems, she has been seeing great, great results. And then working with her doctor has gained her so much trust with the medical system. And it's, it's just like so wonderful. Once you gain that trust with your body, you understand it so much better and you realize there's nothing wrong with it. And you actually can help get you closer to like getting the help you need. Not saying that it's going to fix you 100% because I don't know that, but I am telling you that restricting your food and being on these diets and messing with your hormones in this way is not going to help you fix your hormones right now. So that is my advice to you. I'm going to get back to you with some research though on this because I am curious about um, women over a certain age, even though half of my clients are around your age um and they've been seeing great results so yeah I hope that answered your question and as well I would I always want to remind you that I hear this all the time keto works until you get off of it or it worked really well and then I stopped and then I gained all the way back um I want you to re-address that statement that you just made and really ask yourself, did it ever actually work or was it just a super short-term like fix and like instant gratification to a long-term problem that I've been trying to heal? And is this the best way to address this and heal my body and my health? And I'm sure you will agree the answer is no, it's not. So stop with the fat diets get out of the diet cycle. And I promise you life is going to be so much better. You're going to feel so free. You're going to feel so happy and energized and awesome. And if you'd like me to be there with you along the way, I would love to help you along your journey from going from the diet mentality to the food freedom mindset. I am taking on clients right now. So if you would like a complimentary mini coaching call to either see what coaching is about or to see if we'd be a good fit because you're super interested, then hit the link in the show notes below to book your discovery call. And as I'm recording this episode, I'm running a 21% discount for 2021 for five people who are interested in this coaching offer. So if you're interested in it, book your discovery call and then let me know. You listen to this podcast or you heard about the discount and you'd be interested in it. And we will get you signed up working together so you can heal your relationship with food. And that is it for me today, guys. I hope you enjoyed this Q&A style. If you would like more Q&As, make sure to DM me, Instagram or Facebook, wherever, and let me know that you enjoyed the episode as well as screenshot, tag, and share, tag me and share this episode on your social media platforms to show people that you enjoy this podcast. 
helps the podcast grow. And if you think anyone in your life would enjoy this episode or learn from it, then I would highly recommend sharing it with them. That's it for me today, guys. I'll see you in the next one. Bye.